0: Good to have you here today. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. Um, I want to welcome those of you watching online, too, from wherever you might be. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I do just want to address those of you online. Um, I know with all this, you know, COVID stuff and life just gets busy on top of that, and I know that many of you, many people, you, you call Access Your Church Home and you just watch online. I received a, an email from a guy named Chris just yesterday and he was telling me, hey, I haven't been there since COVID, but I want you to know I'm not gone, still engaged, still invested, to watch online. And I got to tell you, for me personally, that meant a ton. And so if you are a regular, if you watch online, um, I would love if you would just send me an email, send one to the church, let us know that you're watching. We really do consider you a part of our church family and uh, glad that the internet has made it possible to stay connected. So anyway, just let us know. Um, we are wrapping up our very political-looking series, but not political at all, uh, called Make Christianity Great Again, and um, if you have missed any of the past three messages out of this series, I just want to encourage you to go back and watch them online. Um, in fact, even if you were here you did watch them online, I want to encourage you to watch them all over again because what we've covered in this series and what we're going to talk about today, this, these four parts really are Christianity. This is the fundamentals of Christianity. This is what's essential. This is the foundation of our faith. And I know sometimes, especially if you've been around our church for a while, especially if maybe you've been a Christian for a while, I know what we tend to do. We tend to think, I've heard that before, right? Right? I've heard that. I've got that. When is this guy going to move on to something new? I understand our natural tendency to do that, but I just want to say this. Please be careful if you start to drift that way because anything else in Christianity has to come from one of these four things that we're talking about during this series. This, if it's not, if it doesn't fit within these four I would question whether it's Christian at all or not. That's how important this series is. That's how, that's how much we need to remember and talk about this stuff often. Make Christianity great again. Now, I have noticed something in my own life, and you've, you've probably noticed it as well, but as we grow and as we mature, there seems to be this kind of natural progression that we all take. Now, not that any of us have reached perfection or like we can check growing off the list, but as we mature, it seems like we have something in common. There seems to be this telltale sign that maturity is happening. And that is that things become less about us. I know when I was younger, um, working my first couple jobs, I worked at the American Hotel for a few months. Gross, gross. Um, (laughs) That's all I need to say about that. I worked at Burger King, which wasn't much better, to be honest. And then I worked at Old Navy for about a year and a half, all while I was in high school. And I remember when I would get my paychecks, it was all about me, man. This was the first time that I had my money, that there there was no, it wasn't like an allowance from my parents, there were no strings. I could do whatever I wanted with my money. And when I got those paychecks, all I thought about was me. Me, 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 myself, and I. What do I want? Like, if I wanted to go, you know, buy food and blow it on food, I could do that. If I wanted to go driving with my friends for hours and blow it on gas, I could do that. If I wanted to save it and buy a guitar, I could do that. Like, the only thing that was going through my head with what am I going to do with this money was what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Even when it was time for me to get my first car, that's how I made the decision. I didn't, you know, I didn't care whether things were mechanically right. I didn't care anything about it. All I wanted was a car that I would look cool in, you know? And this is that car. Yeah! <sighs> yeah! Now, it didn't matter to me that this car had 272,000 miles when I got it. I didn't care. It didn't matter to me that it was a Buick. It didn't matter to me that it was... I don't even know what you call that color, effeminate blue? I don't know. All I cared about was that you can't see it, but right here it said Grand Sport. It was a coupe, and it had a spoiler. And to me, that meant I was cool. That meant, because all I didn't care if it was reliable, I didn't care if it was a fault, I just wanted a cool looking car. And in my younger days, as I was less mature, it was all about me. Now, as I've grown, since I've gotten married, since we've had kids, that stuff has started to change. It's not just about me anymore. Now, when I get a paycheck, very little of it goes to what I want to do. Most of it goes towards paying a mortgage on a house that, honestly, I didn't need. Uh, My wife fell in love with the house that we have right now. And, like, I like it, too. It's not just on her, but she, like, fell in love with it and we could afford it, and so we bought it. And now that's where most of the money goes. Um, if, it, if everything was still about me, I would drive a Porsche 911. Like, that is my dream car. If you are looking for a Christmas gift for me, I'll take one in black. Okay? That's my dream car. And if I wanted to, if I continued to operate in the mindset of it's all about me, I could make it happen. I could buy one. Now, we wouldn't have a house, we'd have to live in the car but I could figure out a way to make the monthly payments on it. But it's not about me anymore. And so you know what? I don't drive a Porsche. I drive a Ford. And it's 13 years old and has almost 150,000 miles because I've got kids to cart around. All these different things, it's not about me anymore. My hobbies have taken a back seat. I don't have nearly the collection of guitars that I want to have. My wife would think otherwise, but she's wrong. <clears throat> I want more But here's the thing. I'm not complaining. I'm saying it's a bad thing. All I'm saying is that as we grow, as we mature, it becomes less about us. Now I make those decisions with money and vehicles and house, not just about me. I am happy to make them for other people, for the people that I love. I care about them. And the same thing is true for all of us, right? As we mature, as we grow, can't you identify times in life when, you know what, it doesn't have to be all about me anymore, The world doesn't have to revolve around me from from vacations to furniture to maybe the career choice you took to whose house you're going to go to at Christmas this year. The more we mature, the less it has to be about us. And I think for those of us who are Christians, if you're watching online and you're a Christian, I think God wants that same thing for us. I think he wants us to mature in that same way. Now, we started off this series three weeks ago by talking about this, salvation, that you and I, every single human being needs salvation. We are not good enough to be with God on our own. We cannot perform well enough. Our good cannot outweigh our bad. None of us have met the standard of perfection to be with God, to go to heaven when we die. And so we need a savior That's why God sent Jesus to this world to live as a man, to pay the penalty for our sins, that we could have salvation, so that we could be saved for all eternity. That was the first week. The second week, we asked ourselves why, and it was this, so that we could spend time with him. The reason salvation exists is for this. If it wasn't for God wanting a relationship with us, and for us being able to have a relationship with him back, salvation wasn't necessary. God wants to be active in our lives. God wants to know us. God wants for us to spend time with him so much that he chose to send his one and only son. That Jesus lived life as a human being and endured some of the most horrific torture ever known to man so that this could be made possible. That was the second week. And as a result of this, as a result of spending time with God, the more time we spend with him, the more like him we become. The result is that as we spend time with God, we experience life change, right? God produces change in us in the areas that we are unable, helpless, powerless to change on our own. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those sorts of things. We want those attributes. They're good for us, but we can't do it on our own. How do we get it? Through spending time with God. He produces that life change in us. But here's the thing about these first three. Up to this point, everything has basically been about us, right? Everything up to this point has really been for our benefit. We are the primary ones who who benefit from these things. That we are saved. Jesus came so that you and I could be saved. And that when we experience salvation, we can spend time with God. It's still all about us. And that as we spend time with God, the natural result of that is life change in our lives. We are the primary benefactor of everything. Everything up here is what God has done for our benefit, for our good. And I don't say that condescending, that's not to cut it down. We need this to be about us. I think of it kind of like if you're going on a flight in an airplane, right? The flight attendants, what do they say? Hey, if the cabin loses air pressure and a mask come down, what's the first thing we're supposed to do? Put it on ourselves. Is that being selfish? No. It's because we need to be right first. We can't help others until we are right first. And I think the same thing is true for us spiritually. God has these first three things all set in place for our benefit. We need to be good on our own. We need this oxygen for ourselves. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ yet, This is all you need to know. Don't even worry about what we're going to talk about next. This is all you need to know. You can forget the rest of the message. This is so important if you have not put your trust in Jesus yet. But for those of us here who are Christians, for those of us watching online that we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, I believe that God wants us to mature past this. I believe that God's heart and his desire is that we would move past these first three steps that are just for us into maturity. And what does maturity look like? It's this, to reach others. To reach others. God's, God's desire, God's heart, God's will is that you and I would reach others so that other people can experience salvation, so that other people can learn to spend time with God and build a relationship, so that other people can experience life changing lives, so that hopefully as they do all that, they would join the team to help reach others, and this cycle just continues and continues and continues. This is Christianity, this is God's plan, this is God's will, but so often this gets missed. So often this final piece gets left out and we shortchange our own spiritual maturity and we shortchange, we, we kill God's full cycle plan if we never get to here. You know, it, it seems to me like we've just, we've manipulated Christianity a little bit. Like we, we've turned it into something that it, it was never meant to be. Because we live in such a consumer-driven culture, Right? Every single day, you know, it's estimated that the average American sees between 6,000 and 10,000 advertisements every single day. You and I see between six and 10,000 advertisements. Now, if you can't do math really fast, that is one advertisement at least every 14 seconds, assuming you don't sleep. That's a lot of ads. And every single one of them has a consumer in mind, right? It has us in mind. This is the type of car you want. This is the type of clothes you want. This is the type of house you want. This is the color you want to paint your house. This is the new toy that you want to buy. This is like everything. We are, we are bred almost to live a life that is so consumer-focused and all about me. Me, 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 me. And unfortunately, we've allowed that same sort of mindset to creep in to Christianity. Right? Where everything is all about me. God, how can you bless my life? God, what miracle can you do for me? I'll read the Bible as long as I get something out of it. I'll go to church as long as it's convenient for me. And we have turned Christianity into something it was never meant to be. Now, these first three parts, these do have some consumerism in it. Again, by design, God's heart is, is for us that we would experience this. But why It's for this. It's to reach others. Brett McCracken is an author. I didn't make up his name, by the way. That's really his name. He's an author of a book called Uncomfortable. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. But in there, he he talks about this very thing. He says this. Our consumerist framework may have turned Christianity into an insular country club, but this is not biblical Christianity. We are called to an uncomfortable mission beyond ourselves. Can we just be honest with ourselves for a moment? Haven't we all done this? I know I have. Aren't we all guilty of turning Christianity into something that's just about us, our consumerist framework? We've missed the final step of what God wants. But listen, this is not just Brett McCracken's bright idea. This is something that, I mean, this is just, this is a new way of saying, what the Apostle Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago. He was writing to a group of people in Corinth, this, this particular letter we call 2 Corinthians. And in there, he's writing to people who have put their faith in Jesus already. They've grown, they've experienced a lot of God. In fact, later on in this letter, he says, man, you've got great faith, your enthusiasm is awesome, you work hard, you've got some gifted speakers, look at all this cool stuff you got going for you. But God, through the Apostle Paul's writing, says there's something more. There's more to this Christianity thing than just about you. And if you were here a couple months ago during our We Are Access series, I told you that we were going to read this particular section of Scripture often. And um, it's been about eight weeks, so I'm just keeping my promise to you. We are going to read this often because this is so important. This is so crucial and so often we miss it. Paul says this, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. It's about reaching others. It's about the mission. It's about accomplishing what God has called us to. He says it's not just about us anymore. All the, the salvation that we experience, the spending time with God, the life changes all amazing and wonderful. But as a result, here's what God says we should do. Not live for ourselves anymore. Live for Christ. Reach others. Be engaged. He goes on. He says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. In these couple sentences, what Paul is doing, he's just working his way backwards through the circle, right? He says, we've we've got a new life. A new life has become. That's the life change. How? It's from God as we spend time with him. How do we do that? Through Christ, he's laying out the exact thing that we've been talking about, the circle, make Christianity great again. But why? Why, 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 why all of this? So that we can reach others. So that we can share the message. He goes on. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And what did he do? He gave us, you and I, those of us who are followers of Christ, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. God is reaching into the world. God is trying to touch people's lives. He's making his appeal through us. Through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Are you seeing the picture here? salvation so that we can spend time with God so that we can experience life change so that we are compelled to reach others as a result. Everything incredible that we've experienced so that we are moved by the very heart of God himself to reach other people. And then Paul wraps up this thought by saying this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is salvation. That is so incredible. That is the best gift any of, y- any of us will ever receive. But as God's partners, as people who have been made right with God, as people who have been connected back to him through no work of their own, as people who spend time with God and experience life change and build a relationship with their Heavenly Father, as God's partners, Paul's begging, pleading, please, 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 not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it or in other words and then just keep it to yourself you see all of second corinthians chapter 5 we didn't even read it all but this is one of my favorite chapters in the bible because every single verse explains this four step cycle so well i think that's is that the next slide Every verse in 2 Corinthians 5 explains this cycle so well that we are saved to spend time with God, to experience life change, to reach others, to help them experience salvation so they can spend time, so they can experience life change, so they can reach others. It's why our mission as a church is the way it is, to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's why we word it that way. It's why we say it so often. It's why we're focused on it because our mission is this, Christianity is this. We exist, God has called us to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's it right there. This is Christianity. Anything short of this, anything different than this is some twisted version. This is what makes Christianity great. This is what God's design was from the beginning. And as I thought about this this week, as I was preparing for this message, it just, it, it rattled my brain to think, how come so few Christians get it? And maybe not you, maybe not me, but how come as a whole, so few people get it? And all I could come up with, the only thing that made sense in my head, is that we've forgotten what's at stake. I think Most Christians, maybe even you and I, I think most of us have forgotten how important it is to reach others. We have forgotten that hell is real. We have forgotten that people are headed for a hopeless eternity at 200 miles an hour and they are oblivious, they are unaware. In the busyness of our everyday life, in all the craziness that 2020 has brought, as far away as eternity seems some days, I think we've forgotten. I think we've neglected the fact that reaching others has eternal consequences. This isn't just us. This is not just 2020. This is not just Access Church. I think it's a problem that Christians have struggled with for a while because even Jesus himself had to continually remind people, this is the goal. This is what my heart is. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father. Matthew records a few parables, made-up stories that Jesus tells to illustrate this point, how important it is that we reach others, that we focus on the mission. One of his parables is about wheat and weeds, which for most of us doesn't make any sense. But to his first century followers, they would have understood it very well. Jesus says the the kingdom of heaven, this is is what God's like, this is how his system works. He says it's kind of like wheat and weeds. You plant everything in the planting season and for a while it looks like nothing's happening. Everything's just growing together, both the wheat and the weeds. Doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. But Jesus says there is going to be a harvest. There is going to be a day when the two will be separated and the weeds are going to be destroyed. I don't know if people got it right then because then Jesus goes in to another parable about fish. I want to read that when he says this again. The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates but threw the bad ones away. Some of his original audience probably would have understood what he was talking about, would have understood the point. But just in case there was any confusion, just in case you and I have any confusion about what this means, Jesus goes on to immediately explain what this means. Not another parable, but reality and in detail. He says this, that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people, not action wicked, but people who have not put their trust in Jesus Christ. Separate the wicked people from the righteous. Not righteous because of ourselves, but righteous because of our faith in Jesus. Separate the two, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says this is what's going to happen at the end of the age, that there is a final judgment coming, that there is a day in the future where there's not going to be any more time. There's not going to be any more time for salvation, where there's not going to be any more time to reach people. And people, human beings, are going to be cast away from God's presence to suffer an eternity in hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not hyperbole. This is not a scare tactic. This is reality. And then Jesus asked his followers a question. And this question is so haunting to me personally. Not like in a scary sort of way but it is so haunting because of the implications behind it. This is a question that reveals our values. This is a question that reveals the core of who we are. And after Jesus told these stories about Judgment Day and what's going to happen to real people, Jesus asked his followers a question. And I believe if he were here today, he would say the same thing to you and I. Do you understand? Sorry. Do you understand all these things? We're not even going to move on. We're just going to sit here for a minute. Do you understand all these things? Do Do you? Do you? Do you online? Do you understand? Do you understand that if your parents have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, that when they die, they're going to go to hell? Do you get it? Do you understand that your kids, our kids, when they grow up and can make a decision for themselves, if they do not put their trust in Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell. Your spouse if they don't put their trust in Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell. Our neighbors, our coworkers, the people we run into at the grocery store, our extended family, there is not one single human being who is exempt from this. We are unable to be with God without Jesus. There is a judgment coming and Jesus says, do you get it? Do you understand what's at stake? Do you understand that hell is real and it's coming faster than any of us can imagine? At some point, Christianity has to be about more than you and I. It has to be. At some point, it can't just be about God bless me. God help that offer to go through on that house I want. God help me get the front parking spot at Walmart. It's got to be about more than that. There are too many people that we know, that we care about, that we love, and even if we don't, they're still human beings. There are too many people headed for hell. And you and I who have put our trust in Jesus, we have the only answer for them. When are those of us who are Christians, when are we going to be bothered so much by the fact that people are going to hell? When are we going to be so that even the thought that somebody could spend an eternity separated from God, when is that going to become so intolerable to us that we are compelled to move beyond our comfort zone, to not just worry about me, to not just God bless me, but I will give my life to reach as many people as I possibly can? When is the last time that your heart ached or your stomach churned? because even the thought of a human being in hell made you physically sick you know why you know why this question is so haunting to me because i think if i really understood these things if i really believed it if i could have a 3 second glimpse of the horrors of hell i think i would experience that pain a whole lot more right Our Heavenly Father's heart is breaking for lost people. Our Heavenly Father is desperately scanning the horizon, looking to save and rescue as many people as he possibly can. And I think if I got it, if I understood that more, my heart would be more like his. And so Jesus asks us this question, do you understand all these things? Penn Jillette is, um, he's a magician. He's part of that magic duo Pen and Gillette. He is a self-professed atheist and listen to what he says about this topic. He says, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize or another way of saying who don't share their faith. He says, I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that's not really worth telling them this, He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize, to not share your faith, to not share the good news? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He says, I mean, if I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck is coming at you and you don't believe that truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. How come a self-professed atheist understands this more than most Christians? How come a self-professed atheist understands the importance of reaching others more than most followers of Christ? I believe that the very heart of God, if we can go to that, that cycle, the very heart of God, the heart of our Heavenly Father, is to reach and save and rescue as many people as possible before time runs out. His heart is focused here right now. Now for those of us who are Christians, does that mean that he doesn't care about us in the meantime? Absolutely not. He proved he does. He proved he does. He proved he does. God wants to be active in our lives. God wants to do incredible things in our lives. But his focus right now is on reaching others. And I believe that God's will for every single one of us, if you are a Christian here online, God's will is that we would be about his mission as well. God's desire is that every single Christian would experience all of these things, but mature beyond that to care about other people, to reaching other people, to making a difference in other people's lives, to sharing the message of Jesus with everybody and anybody that we possibly can. That's why 2 Corinthians is so compelling to me. That's why I love this verse so much. We read it already, but we're going to read it again. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling people to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Thank God. Praise you, Jesus. But now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, plead with the world, come back to God. Come back to God. What does it look like to be an ambassador? What does it look like to take this task seriously? What does it look like to be about God's mission? It takes a lot. It takes a lot more than we can talk about today In fact, I would just encourage you to go watch our previous series. It was a six-week series called We Are Access, and we talked about that. What does it mean to be about God's mission? That it takes focus, that it's not for the faint of heart, that we can so easily get distracted. To be an ambassador means focus. It means that we need prayer, both prayer for the people we're trying to reach and prayer for ourselves. It means that we need to be teammates and give and be authentic, that we need to be dedicated to the mission God has for us. It is not for the faint of heart and it will take the rest of our lives. It will take the rest of our lives dedicated to doing what God has asked us to do. To sharing the message about Jesus. To helping people experience a relationship with him. To sharing our story. I mean, to all these different things. And so here's my question for us. As we wrap up this, today's message, as we wrap up this whole series, my question is with these four things, this cycle. My question for you and my question for me, I have to ask myself this, is are we completing the cycle? Are you and you and you and you and you are we completing the cycle? This is God's heart. This is Christianity. This is what made Christianity so great in the first century. And it's what will make it great again today. Are you completing this cycle? I want to share one final thing with you. It's a a quote from a guy named David Platt. He's an author and a pastor himself. Um, There's not much I agree with him about. He's whatever. But this, this quote, he says this in one of his books. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. I'm going to tell you that again. Every saved person, if that's you, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you have been made right with God and experienced a relationship with him, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, the only thing that can save people, owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Are you reaching others? Are we being ambassadors? Do you understand what's at stake? As we wrap up today, I just want to take a few moments and just simply talk to God and invite him to give us maybe more of a love, more of a concern, more of a heart than we ever had before. And so, uh, if you're watching online, as long as you're not driving, just, just <clears throat> take some time. Those of us in the room, let's just simply bow our heads and close our eyes. Not God hears us if our heads are up and our eyes are open, but just so we can focus. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you again for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making it possible for me to know you when I didn't deserve it, when I couldn't earn it. There's nothing. My best days are like garbage compared to your holiness, your righteousness. Thank you for providing the most incredible gift I will ever receive. Salvation through your son, Jesus. And Father, all of us here today, all of us watching online who have received that gift, who've experienced a relationship with you, whose lives have been changed as a result of your presence. Father, we are asking you to give us your heart. At least as much as we can handle, I guess. I don't think we could bear the full weight of your your passion, your heart. But God, we want more. We want to be more in tune with your heart. We want to be more concerned with your mission. We want our hearts to break for the people in our lives that don't know you yet just like your heart does and so father we're just i don't know giving you permission or asking you or however that works god we want we want to be used by you in incredible ways for your glory for your kingdom to rescue and partner with you to rescue as many people as we possibly can Father, I pray that right now you would begin to change us and mold us on the inside. I pray that all this week, as we go about our daily lives, that you would help us to see people the way you see them, to see almost the lostness and the brokenness that's in the world, and that that would compel us to share your message. Father, I pray that you would use us to be your hands and feet in this world. Use us, God. We pray, we ask, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.